So in this new year, we're in a message series which I have called Prayer Adventure. Now, what is a prayer adventure? Well, the dictionary defines adventure as an exciting experience that is typically a bold, sometimes risky undertaking. So how can prayer be an adventure? Well, first of all, prayer can be an exciting experience because in prayer we're communicating with an all-knowing and all-powerful God, the creator of the entire universe. And that excitement comes not from simply presenting a, a laundry list of prayer requests to Him, but in hearing what He has to say to us. And so excitement comes when God speaks to us. Excitement comes when God answers our prayers. And He answers every prayer that is prayed according to His will. In what ways is prayer a bold undertaking? Well, let's look at Hebrews 4.16. I'd encourage you to take out, uh, there's a white page in your bulletin. It has somewhere in here. I've got one. It's got the outline of the message there, as well as the verses written out on the back are study questions, which you can use in your own personal time with God. And also many of our life groups are using them to uh, have group discussions during the week. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And so we can come boldly, we can come confidently to God's throne, not on our own merit, because of, but, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And so prayer is bold. It's a bold adventure. Finally, prayer. how is prayer risky? Well, prayer is risky because as we speak to God, I've learned that God will... In, invariably ask me to do something I don't think I can do. Has that happened to anybody else? He'll ask you to step out in faith, to do something you've never done before, or to go further than you've ever gone before. Things that require faith. And so when we pray, prayer is risky because God will ask us to do new adventures with Him. And so not only should prayer be an adventure, but the adventure of prayer will lead to adventure in life because God is going to move us into new areas, into new directions that we would never have gotten into if we hadn't had that experience of prayer with Him. A couple Sundays ago, we talked about prayer as two-way conversation with God. And so prayer is a way that we strengthen and we build our relationship with God. As we speak to Him, He speaks to us. Just like we build a relationship with our spouse or with friends the same way through, through communication, through talking to them, and the same way prayer builds our communication and relationship with God. Today, our topic is called prayer variety. We mentioned a couple of Sundays ago that what we tend to do in prayer is to emphasize asking God for things, asking God for things some of us have prayer lists, and we have requests there, and we go through the list. We ask God for this, that, and we go down the list. Now, those of us who are married, what would happen in your relationship with your spouse if every time you communicated with them, you asked them to do something for you? I'm getting a few chuckles. Uh, if you're not married... You could pose that, I'll pose the same question to you with a friend. Every time you met the friend, you'd ask him, I'd like you to do this for me. I'd like you to do this for me. Well, I would say 
either the marriage relationship or the friendship relationship wouldn't go so well because what does that sound like? It sounds pretty selfish, pretty greedy. What can you do for me? Now, there's nothing wrong with sometimes asking somebody for something. But the asking should be reciprocal. There should be other types of communication as well. And I believe the same is true in our relationship with God. We need to grow in our ways of communicating with God, not simply asking Him for things all the time. Now, there's certainly a place for requesting things from God. We're going to talk about that today as well. But that shouldn't be the only type of prayers that we pray. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. And so here we see four different types of prayers mentioned. Supplications, uh, prayers is a general term, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Today we're going to look at three different expressions. There's more than we're going to look at today. We're going to look at three, uh, confession, supplication, and intercession. And so let's begin with the prayers of confession. Now, normally, when we talk about confessing in our prayers, we're talking about uh, prayers of confession for the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says that we all sin, and, and I would submit, based on the Lord's Prayer, uh, that we pray to, for our daily bread. I believe God is instructing us we need to pray these things each and every day. Part of that is asking for forgiveness. I believe that we all sin in one way or another on a daily basis if we're honest with ourselves. And so when we sin, how should we pray? Well, let's look at an example prayer from the Bible. The background to this prayer is that King David fell into deep sin. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he tried to cover up his adultery by having Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed. And so he was guilty of both the sins of adultery and murder. He tried to cover it up. And God confronted him and sent Nathan the prophet. And Psalm 51 is David's response. We just look at a couple verses. Verses 1 and 2. David prays. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And so David is confessing his sin to God. He's asking for God's forgiveness Based on God's mercy, he's asking God to change his heart, to work in his heart, to cleanse him of the root of his sin. David doesn't want to ever do that again. He's repenting of his sin, asking for forgiveness. And at the close of the prayer, David prays, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And you can read the whole Psalm for yourself, but not only does David pray for forgiveness, he desires for his heart to be changed. He prays for God to, to restore his relationship with God to where it once was. And that type of prayer for God to forgive us of sins, whether we consider them little or big, should be something that we all do on a daily basis. The second type of prayer of confession is one that declares God's character and power. <clears throat> Now, in this type of prayer, we, we are confessing our faith in God. We're declaring our confidence in God's word. Take another example from the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is, a, is a, the prayer book of the Bible. It's, it's full of prayers. It's full of songs. And let's look at one of the most famous of David's prayers or his confessions of faith, the 23rd Psalm. <clears throat> it begins, 
It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And so what is David doing here? He's confessing that, as stated many places in Scripture, the Lord is his shepherd. The Lord is the one who is going to guide him. The Lord will take care of David's needs. The green pastures and the quiet waters speak of all of David's needs, his physical, his emotional, and his spiritual needs. And we could go through the whole psalm, but let's look at the last verse, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so David confesses that God is going to be with him throughout his whole life. And he's going to spend eternity with God. David is declaring God's character and power for his life. And so I believe both prayers, both confession of sins and and confessing God's character and power should be part of our daily prayer life. Again, sometimes we forget to confess our sins. We think, well, today was pretty good. Well, I didn't do anything bad. Didn't kill anybody. Uh, didn't lie. Just did right there. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> now if you really think you don't sin or didn't sin that day, comes to the evening, just ask your spouse if you did anything wrong, and they'll tell you. Uh, and if you don't have a spouse, ask the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will convict you of something that you need to change uh, in your life. And sometimes, you know, it's just an attitude. We tend to think sins are always outward things. Sometimes it's just an attitude. That's an ungodly attitude. Sometimes it's just a thought pattern. Sometimes it's things that we don't consider sin, but the Bible does. We as Christians never consider worrying as sin, but we're commanded not to worry. Did you worry yesterday? Anyhow, just an encouragement to ask God, another prayer of David, to search his heart, to see if there's anything there that he needs to confess to God. So we confess and we ask God to help us to change us. The second type of confession prayer might not be as well known, but one of the best ways to confess and declare God's character to build our faith is to pray Scripture. And it's a way to both learn and apply and build your faith through God's Word. And one of the easiest ways to do is to simply personalize Scripture. Uh, the first the simple way, the first verse of Psalm 23, would, you could pray something like this. You'd pray it directly to God. Say, you, Lord, are my shepherd. I lack nothing. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside quiet waters. And you could, instead of green pastures and quiet waters, you could put something in there. You know, you, you have blessed me with, you have blessed me with my family. You have blessed me with a church family. You have blessed me with my job. You have provided for me. You could fill all kinds of things in there uh, of what God has done for you. And you can pray through much of Scripture with these prayers of confession, personalizing the Scripture. Now, I'm still working on how to pray through the genealogies, you know. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So if you figure out how to pray through that, you let me know because I haven't figured that out yet. The next type of prayer is the prayer of supplication. Supplication is a word that we don't use a lot today, but according to the dictionary, supplication is a form of prayer where you humbly or earnestly ask God to provide something. In, in other words, prayer is what 
We tend to do best, asking God for things, and that's part of prayer. It's not the only thing, but it's part of prayer. And those prayers can be directed several ways. You can pray for your own needs. Now, this is the one that we kind of pray by default. God, help me with this. God, help me by that. But it's a good prayer to pray. It just shouldn't be everything we pray. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. So there's a command right there. So that command is something that we need to do. Take heed to do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so in the first part of this verse, we see we see a bonus of prayer. Prayer is an antidote for worry and anxiety. If you begin to worry, it should be a red flag that, oh, I better pray about this because I'm worrying about something rather than worrying. I should pray. And so if you start to worry about something, that should be a clue that you should be praying about it. Now, what do we tend to worry about? Well, we tend to worry about that our needs won't be met in the future. You know, what if this happens? If, if this doesn't go, then I'm going to be destitute and live in the poor house. Or, you know, there's all kinds of things. Or I'm going to get sick or this or that. We worry about things that are going to happen in the future. And so those are the things that we should request and ask God to help us in. The things that we worry about. And as we noted a couple of Sundays ago, this verse tells us that we need to sprinkle our prayer request with thanksgiving. That's another thing we tend to forget. God, what have you done for me today? And we forget what he's done for us yesterday and the day before. And as we thank God for the things he's done for us in the past, it builds our faith to believe him for things we're asking about for today and the future. So what can we be thankful for? We be be thankful for God's past blessings, for past answers to prayer, and we can be thankful for the answers to the prayers we're praying now that God's going to answer in the future. We can, we can give him thanks for the things that he's going to do in the future. God, I thank you that you're going to answer my prayer for fill in the blank because I believe it's prayed according to God's will and I believe you're going to do it. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I give you thanks. I'm in faith that you're going to answer that prayer. And so what happens to our worries and anxieties? You know, studies show that our, our nation, people are just full of stress and anxiety of all kinds. We're becoming just stressed out people. So what happens to our worries and anxieties when we, when we pray to God for our needs rather than worrying about them? Well, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so the peace of God is the direct opposite of worry, you see? You can't have the peace of God and be worrying at the same time. If you're worrying, you don't have the peace of God. But when we present our request to God and we have faith that God is going to hear us and answer our request, then the peace of God guards our hearts and minds. And how does it guard it? It guards us against the enemy planting worry and anxious thoughts in our minds. It's, it's like a shield around us, the peace of God. Not only should we pray for our needs, we should also pray for other people's needs. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, there's that word, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication again for all the saints. And so this verse refers to saints. Who are the saints? The saints in the New Testament aren't people that are voted on or anything like that. The saints are simply other believers. And so... Whether you consider yourself or not, if you're a believer here this morning, you are a saint. 
So it would be other believers that you personally know in a church family, outside the church family. could be missionaries, uh, people that God places on your heart who are believers. And so this verse in Ephesians 6 is in the context of spiritual warfare. We're going to cover that in more detail next Sunday when we talk about prayer warfare. But it makes it clear that we are to regularly pray not only for our own needs, but for other people's needs. We are to keep alert, it says. Keep alert in what? In knowing what other people need, paying attention to other people's needs, and praying with perseverance until the answer comes. We pray with the Spirit's guidance who helps us. And so God wants our prayers to be balanced, not just praying for our own needs, but praying regularly for other people's needs. That includes people in your family, your children, your spouse, your uh, parents. It includes people outside of your own family. One way that you can do that is uh, in this church family is by being part of our Life Church prayer team. Uh, we're just asking people to make a commitment to praying at least five minutes a day for our church family. And we are providing an online prayer guide that will give you guidance. It also gives you text alerts from time to time about changes in the prayer guide or urgent needs in the church family. And we've had this up before. If you haven't yet done this, you can text the word pray without the quotes uh, simply to that number. It's in your bulletin as well, 636-442-0210. And uh, then you will be on the prayer team and get the regular prayer uh, the link to the prayer guide and, and any requests that come through. Now, God doesn't want us to be overly burdened. I mean, there's an infinite number of things we could pray for. God doesn't want you to be overly burdened. He'll direct you and guide you what to pray for. Even on the prayer guide, it's, it's a long prayer guide. There's a lot of things on there. You don't have to pray for everything every day. We're just asking for five minutes. Uh, but he's going to guide you by his spirit what to pray for, when to pray. Now, the last, the last uh, expression of prayer we're going to talk about today is prayers of intercession. Intercession is simply the action of praying on behalf of another person. So really, what we just talked about, praying for other people's needs, really is a, a subset or a form of intercession. But in this point, we're going to expand on other aspects of intercession. Intercession can be thought of in the Bible as standing in the gap for other people. Ezekiel 22, verse 30 says, I looked, this is God speaking, for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And so this verse is, is the verse where we get the expression of intercession is, as standing in the gap. And uh, we see it happening in a number of places in the Bible. And so in this passage in Ezekiel, God is going to bring judgment on Israel because of the sin of Israel. And God is speaking. He's looking for somebody to stand in the gap between sinful Israel and a holy God who's about to bring judgment and intercede and ask God not to bring his judgment to, to act as a, as, a, as a wall. Okay, that's what it talks about, a wall in this verse, to stand between God and the people upon whom judgment is coming. And so the intercessor is asking for God's mercy to prevent destruction and judgment. And, but in this verse, we see God look for such a person and he found no one. No one took it upon themselves to stand in the gap. We see a different situation in Deuteronomy chapter 9. The people of Israel 
Uh, well, let's start over again. Moses had gone up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and he was up there for quite a long time, 40 days and 40 nights. In the meantime, the people in Israel took it upon themselves to make a golden calf and began to party and worship this golden calf. Not a good thing. And so God spoke to Moses. He said, I'm going to destroy them. This is just, people are in rebellion. I just delivered them from Egypt. And now look at them. You're up on the mountain talking to God and the people are doing all this debauchery. I'm going to destroy them. And so Moses stood in the gap. Moses says, so I lay prostrate before the Lord for these 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had said he would destroy you. And I prayed to the Lord, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your heritage, whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And so to prevent God's judgment from falling on sinful Israel, Moses interceded for 40 days and nights for the preservation of the people of God, who didn't deserve it, but he asked for God's mercy upon them. In this case, God heard Moses' prayer and he stayed his hand of, of judgment. In order to intercede, we need the Spirit's help. The Spirit helps us to intercede. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes, there's that word, for us, with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And so especially when we're interceding for other people or other situations, oftentimes we do not know all the details. We don't know exactly how to pray. And so this verse is a wonderful promise that the Spirit will help us as we intercede. When we're weak, when we don't know how to pray according to God's will, God's Word promises the Spirit will help us. The Spirit will pray through us. And when He does, we can be assured that he will pray according to God's will. Sometimes we don't know. Is it God's will or not? But as the Spirit helps us, and here's a promise that He will help us if we ask for His help, we can be praying the will of God. Prayers prayed according to God's will are always effective. They're always answered, although they must be persevered in until the answer comes. And so the Spirit is there to help us intercede for others. Now let's think for a minute about the mo as we're talking about intercession, what is the most important prayer that you can pray for other people? Well, the most important prayer that you can pray for other people who are not believers, might be your relatives, might be your friends, might be workmates is to pray for their salvation. That truly, that kind of prayer of intercession is truly standing in the gap for them. Because any unsaved person is headed for an eternity apart from God in hell forever and ever. And as an intercessor, you're standing between that awful place and them. You're interceding that the direction of their lives would be radically transformed. That they would enter into a relationship with God. And as you pray, for them, as you stand in the gap, then God will draw them to himself. He will move on their hearts by his spirit. And, and guess who he will probably give opportunities to be a witness to them? Probably you. 
You're praying for a relative. God, send somebody to share the gospel with them. And God says, you're it. It's like, not me. What will they think of me? They may never speak to me again. And we have all these excuses. But as we pray for people, God will move on their hearts. And God will give you opportunities to, oftentimes, to speak to the people that you're praying for. Speak to them about Jesus or to invite them to church. And not only will the Holy Spirit help you as you pray for them, the Holy Spirit will work in their lives. He'll work on both ends to bring them to salvation. But we need to persevere and not give up. So there's nothing wrong with prayer lists. I encourage you especially to make a list of people that you know who are in your circle of influence who do not yet know Jesus. That you would regularly pray for them. Again, it could be friends, relatives, workmates, uh, whoever God lays on your heart. And oftentimes, when I talk to people, they'll go, as we talk about people in their lives, they go, well, I don't really know if they're saved or not. I don't really know. Probably they are. They're probably okay. And that takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? Like, I think they believe in God. They go to church Christmas and Easter. You know, it's probably good enough, isn't it? Well, if you don't know, perhaps you need to find out. Perhaps you need to have the discussion with them and find out where they're at. Are they trusting in Jesus to be their Savior or not? If they're not, you need to pray for them. They're not saved. I mean, you either are or you're not. There's really, and we have all these gray areas. Well, I don't know. It's like they either are or they're not. And God will help you to know. If they're not, you need to pray and work towards that end. If they are, well, they're a brother and sister in the Lord. And they can help you pray for people that you both know together. And so God help, wants us to grow in our prayers of intercession. And as we do, we're going to see wonderful answers. And so today we've looked at... Uh, not all of the varieties of prayer, but some of them that God has made available for us to use. We have prayers of confession, uh, both asking for forgiveness of our sins as well as declaring God's word. We learned about prayers of supplication, praying not only for our own needs, but praying for the needs of others. And finally, prayers of intercession, standing in the gap for other people, particularly praying for the salvation of people who are lost. And the Spirit will help us in all of our prayers. And so my, my prayer is that God would help our church family in our prayers individually and as we pray together. We had prayer and praise this last Wednesday, the third Wednesday of the night. We get together and pray as a church family. And we, I, my prayer is that our prayers individually and as a church family would, would become more powerful and effective in this new year of 2019. Now, this morning, as we do every Sunday, I'd like to give uh, an opportunity. If you're not sure that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God wants you to put your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior. To become a believer, to become a Christian according to the Bible, it's not simply a matter of considering yourself a Christian. It's not a matter of whether you were baptized as an infant. It's not a matter of do you believe in God or not. Uh, there's three things the Bible tells us, first of all, we need to admit that we've sinned. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. 
Our relationship with God has been broken because of our sin. And so we need to admit that we've sinned. Secondly, we need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, took our sins upon himself that we might be forgiven. He paid the price for our sins and he rose from the dead three days later. We need to believe that, what the Bible teaches us about Jesus. And finally, we need to commit ourselves to following Jesus as our Lord, to doing what he says. And so I'm going to give us, uh, all of us, an opportunity to either re- to commit your life to Christ for the first time or to recommit your life to him. Sometimes people wander away from their commitment, and it's good to recommit your life to him. So I'd like to ask us all to bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time or to recommit your life to him today, I'd, I'd ask you to pray along with me. Say something like this, Father, today. I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I've not lived a perfect life. But I believe that Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, rose from the dead three days later. I believe in him. I trust my life to him. Please forgive me of my sin. I commit myself to following Jesus and his word all the days of my life. And if you prayed that simple prayer, if you truly believed it in your heart, your eternal destiny has just been changed from hell to heaven. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to communicate with you And to work together with you, the creator of the universe. What an awesome privilege. Forgive us for not taking advantage of that privilege. And for considering it more a duty than an exciting adventure. We thank you for being able to participate through prayer with you in impacting other people's lives for eternity. Not just for today or tomorrow. Not just for a few years, but, but forever. Help us to grow in, the, in our prayer lives. Help us to grow in the variety of our prayers. Not just for the sake of variety, but so that we can pray more powerfully. We thank you for what you taught us today about prayers of confession, supplication, intercession. Help us to, to get a proper mix in our own lives as you guide us by your Spirit. We pray that we would see many more people saved, God. And added to the church in 2019 than we did in 2018. And may we do our part in praying, in trusting you, that you're going to do your part to save people and to build your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.